the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When Jesus hung on that cross, he cried out among his very last words, It is finished. To show that everything that would need to be done for us to know his love and to love like him had already been accomplished. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. I dropped the ball that bad. Could I fail that clearly? And really, there's an element of that heart we need to have, right? Where we all say, but by the grace of God, there go I. Do you know that given the right situation, given the right circumstance, there's not anything that your sinful heart's not capable of? Don't you dare say, well, bless God, I could never do that. I could never be like that person. My marriage could never fall apart. I could never sin in that way. I could never have that addiction. But by the grace of God, we're all capable of anything. And so Jesus responded and said, it's the one to whom I give the bread I dipped into the bowl. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And then when Judas had eaten the bread, listen to this. This is kind of funny. Even after Jesus said that, when Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered him and Jesus told him, hurry up and do what you're going to do. None of the other disciples knew what he meant. Since Judas was their treasurer, some of them thought Jesus was telling them to go and pay the bill, pay for the food or give some money to the poor. Isn't it interesting? You can hear straight from the word of God and not get it. Why? Because you have to be willing to receive it. And this passage tells us something about that, too. What do we call it when a little child particularly becomes a Christian? We say they've asked Jesus to do what? To come into their heart. What did this passage say about Judas? Satan entered him. I want to teach you something. Did you know every one of us are born with a hole in our heart? Now, some of you, that may be literal. Like our son Noah. Our son Noah, he didn't find this out until a year or two ago. He went to a doctor, and the doctor said, do you know you have a hole in the heart? And he's like, no, well, I've got a hole in my heart. And, and he came home and asked us, and mom said, well, yeah, we knew that. Now, he did kind of have a scare at the beginning, and he, he, we were taking pictures, and I was standing over him. Uh, Kimberly had done the heavy lifting, of course, and she had delivered him, and I was there in the hospital room, and all of a sudden, he started turning blue, and the doctors and the nurses started panicking, and so we've got like baby Smurf pictures, but that didn't really have anything to do with the hole in the heart, but, but that's something to think about. The, the reality is every one of us were born with a hole in the heart. It's a God-shaped hole. 
That's God's desire. He, he wants to enter into your life and meet your needs. He wants to fill that hole that you're born with. But if you do not receive him, if you do not allow him to fill that hole, there's an enemy who would like to fill the hole. He would like to enter into. And some of you are just, you're on the line. You're going back and forth. I don't know. Some days I want God to fill the hole. Some days I want Satan to enter in. I'm, I'm doing his business one day and his business another day. And, and the reality is you've got to decide who you're going to receive. What a story Jesus tells. He knows all about what's going on. And yet he's still loved even though he knew the worst. Do you do that? I read this morning from Proverbs 17, 9. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Maybe you've heard it this way from Peter. Love covers a multitude of sins. Jesus loved even when he knew the worst. Who's God calling you to love today? Christ follower? You, you say you've been marked by him. Who is God calling you to love that doesn't deserve it? That hasn't loved you well? But needs to be loved. Because by the way, this wasn't just Judas. We're not just picking on Judas. Look at how this chapter ends. Jesus had just said, a new commandment I give to you. Hey, see this love in a fresh way. He's just said that, and they're all thinking, yeah, and Judas is going to betray you. But look at verse 36. Simon Peter said, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't come with me now. You'll follow me later. And Peter, again, man, he's just stepping out there, putting his foot in his mouth. He says, why can't I come with you now, Lord? I'm ready to die for you. And Jesus answered, and I'm thinking he probably laughed. <laughs> ready to die for me. I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you'll deny me three times. It wasn't just Judas. It was Peter. It's not just that prostitute out of Nebraska. It's not that drug addict that's homeless on the street. It's not your friend or your family member that's cheated on their spouse and their marriage is broken. No, it's you and me that are being disobedient to God when we don't love as he's called us to love. Because love does even when love knows. Love does in spite of what love knows because love overcomes, right? We quote that verse, Romans eight twenty eight. it says, For we know God works all things together for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. But right after that, it goes on to say, so what should separate us from the love of God? And it gives us this long list. Can life or death? No. Can persecution or the sword? No. Can angels or demons? No. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Why? Because we are overcomers. Church, God calls us to love differently than the world because of what he's done for us. I saw a story this week, heard the testimony of one man's life. It illustrates this truth. 
I want you to hear it too. Watch this. Growing up in this neighborhood was just a wonderful, a wonderful childhood. It really was until <laughs> that day. It was a Friday, the last school day of the week. And when I got off the bus, here was this gentleman coming at me from the opposite direction. And he stopped me and he said, hey, I'm throwing a party for your dad. And by any chance, would you be willing to help me with some of the decorations? Of course, back in the 70s, a different time than, than right now, I thought, sure. He uh, had an RV, a little motorhome. I put my things down in the seat behind the door, hopped in the passenger seat, and figured we must be going downtown. But once we had left town, once we were out in the middle of nowhere, he pulled over on the side of the road and told me, he said, I think I've missed a turn. The next thing I knew, he pulled me away from the window into the middle of the, the RV, uh, forced me basically onto my back, looking up at him, and began to stab me in the chest. He literally stood back up and, and said, Son, I'm going to take you somewhere, and I'm going to drop you off. We turned left onto this uh, old Caliche country road, what we affectionately call Alligator Alley. He stopped the RV, and he pointed at a tree. He said, why don't you sit down over there by the tree? And while I was looking down, he must have pulled the gun that I had seen the outlines of in his pocket, and he aimed it right at my left temple. That was the last thing I remember. Do you know your full name? Mm -hmm. What is your full name? Christopher Hugh And Chris, do you know what day this is? This is Friday. This is it? Today is Thursday. Uh, December the 26th. When I woke up six days later, I remember my dad flat out told me, he said, Chris, you were kidnapped, you were shot through the head, and you were left to die in the Florida Everglades, and you were missing for six days. The rhythm at home was drastically different. You know, dad had a gun in his closet, police were there, the radios were there. But there were those moments in which I would wake up in sheer terror thinking that I was in my bedroom, you know, could just picture that man walking through the house and cornering me in that room and coming to finish what he had started. It was a very tough moment to see this new normal that I was going to have to contend with. I don't know exactly what the trigger was, but it, that transformation began to happen in me in which I realized if God in his providence can allow me to go through all of those things that I went through and protected me from being kidnapped, stabbed, shot, left to die in the Everglades, well, he's, he's earned my trust. This is where you're going to find that security that you're looking for. I couldn't find it in a community of friends or institutions that said, this will be okay, don't worry. 
I only found it through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's amazing how you see what God has ordained sometimes years or even decades after. You know, here, my wife and I, I, I had gone on and, and finished school, and we were in the process of, of moving back to Texas when I received a phone call. It's Major Sharer from the Coral Gables Police, and he told me, he said, one of our old chiefs had come across David McAllister in a nursing home in North Miami. Would you like to go meet with him face-to-face? Because if you would, I can make those arrangements. This is the definition of awkward. What do you say to a guy who the last time you saw him put a bullet through your head? Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. I sat down and I told him, I said, Mr. McAllister, I'd like you to know what's really been kind of the source of my strength through all of this. And I asked him, just point point blank, would, would you allow me to share that hope and, and love with you? And he said, sure. We prayed together and we walked through that. And praise the Lord, I think that week of visiting him two or three times left an impression on him. And so I shared the gospel as best I could. It was just a beautiful, surreal moment of of just being able to say, Mr. McAllister, I want you to know there's nothing between you and me except our newfound friendship. I want you to know I forgive you. And I want our, our friendship to go beyond this place. And Mr. McAllister, blind as he was and, and weak, rolled over in that bed, grabbed my hand as if he could have seen it. And with, through the tears and the difficulty, said, I'm sorry. And like the thief on the cross next to Jesus, that only had one opportunity and he took advantage of it and prayed to receive Christ. So did David McAllister. I didn't have any forewarning of what was going to happen. But I can say without any doubt, what God did in my life has given me hope that there is nothing in this world that His grace is not bigger than. Do you believe that truth? That there's nothing in this world that is bigger than His grace? I recognize some of you have been through deep hurt. You've experienced great pain. But in the final words of Jesus, He challenges us to love differently. 
He challenges us that love does, even when love knows, because love changes lives. And if you're a Christ follower, you're one of those lives. You've been changed by love, so he begs you to love. John, who wrote these words in that moment, went on to live a long life for Jesus. And late in life, he wrote some more words, inspired by the Holy Spirit, recorded in the scriptures as 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Listen to some of those words. It says, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves we've passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. That's challenging to me. In a world of discord and division and in a world that is filled with the different camps that everyone wants to place himself in, I can't hate. I must love. 1 John 2, he says this, Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it's an old one that you've had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another. It's the same message you've heard before. When I was growing up in church, we would sing a song, usually on Sunday night, because back then it was too contemporary for Sunday morning. It went like this. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity will one day be restored, and they'll know We are Christians by our love. They'll know we're Christians by our love. Is that what the world sees of us? Is that what the world sees of you? Do the people in your little corner of the world know that you're a Christian because of your extravagant love? Well, there's one more thing. I want you to understand something. This love, this love of God, it does not come because Jesus is seeking to motivate us or manipulate us with ultimatums. He pursues us with that same love. And you may have come to the place where you're hearing these words today and and you find it hard To love because you don't feel very lovely. You don't feel very lovable. Let me remind you of the context of what Jesus was saying that night with his disciples. He was pointing them, remember, to the very reason he had come. John records this too in 1 John 4.19 when he says, We love each other because he loved us first. So, what Jesus did at the Passover, it's really an analogy, an illustration, a parable of what he would do a short time later at the cross. Just as he got up from the table that night, Jesus got up from heaven and he descended and he became one of us. Just as he took off his robe to wash the disciples' feet, he took off those heavenly garments 
and he became a helpless little baby. Just as Jesus took that water in that basin and began to wash the feet, his blood was poured out on the cross to wash away our sins. And just as Jesus took up the towel to dry their feet, to show that he had finished the process. When Jesus hung on that cross, he cried out among his very last words, it is finished. To show that everything that would need to be done for us to know his love and to love like him had already been accomplished. That's the way God loves you. And because of that love, That's the way you should love each other. I ask you today, have you experienced that kind of love from God through Jesus? And if you have, are the people around you experiencing that kind of love from Jesus through you? Let's stand together. Let me see your eyes this way just for a moment. In just a moment, we're going to do what we regularly do. We're going to sing. It's a time of commitment. And I'm going to invite you to respond. And there's really two responses today. Someone's here and you've never begun a relationship with God. You know it. I'm not saying that in a judgmental way. I may not know it, but you know it. You need to be what the Bible calls saved or born again. I like to call it becoming a Christ follower. You need to begin that relationship with him. Here's what I'm going to ask. After I pray immediately, as we begin to sing, I'm going to ask you to do what people from about age 18 to over age 80 did last week. Step out of your seat and come and take the hands of one of our pastors who are already coming to stand here and just say, I need to be saved. Or use your words, I need to be born again. I need to follow Jesus, whatever. But you need to do that today because you'll never love like Jesus until you follow Jesus. But there's a lot of us here who profess to follow Jesus, right? Some of us need to decide today we're going to start getting this right. You've not been loving like him. You're a gossip. You get filled with hate. You've let the civil unrest and racism in our society or the politics and all of that talk in our society, you've let it eat you up. And that's what you're known for. If people look at your social media, that's what you're known for. They're not known for your love and that's not okay. So here's my simple invitation to you. If that's you, our pastors are standing here. You certainly can come pray with them, but I want to encourage you, you. You don't need us to get that right with God. But you might want to drive down a stake today. So when I say amen and Andrew begins to sing, I want you just to step out, maybe come and find a place here at the front of the stage. And just, if you're physically able, just take a knee and just use that as a moment to say, God, I want to get this right. I want to love well. 
I want to represent you better. So I'm going to pray, and that's your invitation. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you now to work in our midst. Holy Spirit, we know you're here. Your word teaches that you convict, that you cut to the heart. Lord, I pray that that would be what takes place and that as a result, we would respond. I pray as I've prayed throughout the week, earlier today, and even in the service, I pray that today, right now, someone would come to you. They would be saved. Give them courage to step out of their seat to come and take the hand of one of these pastors. And Lord, I pray that many of us would commit to loving well, just as you modeled. Move, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.